regret, remorse, pages and pages of life wasted and gone. But your story isn't finished yet. There's still time for edits and cuts. But before you start doing the right things, sometimes you need to stop doing the wrong things. I am Kristen Eastman, and I am on the serve team with my husband, Johnny. And uh, before we get started, I would love to just start this time off with prayer. So will you bow your heads with me? Um, dear God, thank you so much for this morning and for this time um, just to come to your presence, Father. And I just ask for your Holy Spirit to just come and um, and just sit in this place, Lord. Open up our hearts to receive all that you have for us, God. I pray that you will just remove any distraction um, that would keep us from receiving what you're um, speaking to our hearts, Lord. And I pray that um, even now, uh, Father, that our hearts will be moldable, pliable, and teachable for, um, for just your love and for um, your um, your guidance and um, your refinement and, and just your glory. And so we just give this time to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we heard from Pastor Todd, and I heard it was amazing. Uh, he talked about how God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. And, um, and so this week, I'm really excited to share with you that what the past has said is not going to dictate what your future is all about. And so we're going to just start, um, we're not going to start at the very beginning of my life because I don't really remember the first, like, five years, but we're going to start in high school. And um, when I was in high school, everything that I did, I wanted, I, it came from this place of wanting to be known, loved, and accepted. And so who I hung out with, who I dated, what I wore, all came from this place of wanting to just be received and, and loved. And uh, so, got to senior year, and I'm sitting in my mom's kitchen, and I'm kind of looking over the past four years, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe from the outside, I do look like I, I'm known, loved, and accepted, but, like, I don't feel it. I don't feel like I accomplished what I wanted out of high school. So, I started down that really dangerous slope of comparison, and if you want to kill your joy start comparing. And so I'm walking down the road and I'm looking to the right and to the left. And in high school, I was really good. I was so good that I got nominated for most integrity. But what I noticed is that the party kids seem to have a lot of fun and they seem to all have each other's backs and they always seemed to um, just kind of be in it together. And I was feeling pretty lonely at the time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be bad. And you know you're not really bad when you have to decide to be bad. <laughs> so, so I spent all summer getting ready for college, getting ready to be bad. I go to college, and um, I join a sorority. And we go out for our first night out. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically like the sorority's way of introducing you to the rest of the Greek system. So I'm 18 years old. I'm throwing back jello shots. I don't even know what these are. And I go back to my dorm, and my roommate's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't feel my fingers. And I'm, like, eating so much microwavable macaroni and cheese. It was disgusting. And, um, and so we were just laughing our heads off. You know, it was so funny. And, but you know what's interesting is I had no idea that I had just opened the door to seven years of heartbreak, of misery, of chaos, of destruction. I had no idea. And um, so I'm just walking down this road. And I'm going to all these parties, and the first year it was pretty fun, but what happens when you, when you join the partiers is the drinking just gets heavier, and usually drugs come in, so they did, 
and you start making really bad decisions and all of a sudden my friend group started getting really thin because I wasn't very nice when I was drinking and no one wanted to put up with it and all of a sudden my family relationships were getting super tense and I graduated from college and I kind of took inventory again and I realized still wasn't known, still wasn't loved, still wasn't accepted but I had welcomed in addiction at that point and so I couldn't get out of it and so I took my addiction from college into the workforce and so I would work all day, I would drink all night, I'd kind of sleep a little bit and then I'd get up and I'd just do it again and it just became this vicious cycle that just would not end and um, and by the end of it I didn't have a boyfriend, I was hardly speaking to my parents and I was drinking at least a bottle of wine by myself every night. Talk about lonely. And so I'm sitting in my apartment one night and um, something freaked me out. I'm not even sure what it was. Freaked me out. I jump up and I run out of my apartment. And I jump in my car and I take off down I-65 going north. And I'm driving like a bat out of you know where. And I wreck my car off the interstate and I completely totaled it. Well, I still had my a little bit of mental capacity, so I jumped out of my car and I just took off running down the interstate as fast as I could, because in my head I thought someone was chasing me. So I'm running as fast as I can, and a car pulls up next to me, a black Tahoe, and they're like, Kristen! And I'm like, who do I know on the interstate? So I'm like, yeah? And he goes, Scott sent us. Come on, we're gonna get you to safety. Well, Scott was an ex-boyfriend. I don't know how he connected the dots there. And I don't remember these people's faces, except just glows. And um, and so I really believe angels were sent that night because how else would they have found me? And so I got in the car, I was a hot mess. They somehow got me to my parents. And um, the next day, dad and I were at Cracker Barrel talking and he had to tell me the really unfortunate news that I was a wanted woman because I had left the scene of an accident. And, um, so not only have I had like some sort of mental breakdown, but I'm now probably going to go to jail. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we go to the state trooper's office and really one look at me and you could just tell, okay, hot mess, like she needs help. And so I'm just pleading my case with the state trooper and he had a decision, okay? <laughs> he could either judge me and give me the punishment that I definitely deserved or he could give me grace that I absolutely did not deserve. And in that moment, he looked me in the eyes and he just said, you know what, I have a daughter that's your age and I hope that someone would extend her the grace that I'm going to give you. And in that moment, all of a sudden, the direction that I was running turned like a 180. I mean, like whiplash fast. And all of a sudden, I had a second chance. And so I, I told my parents, look, I need to get clean. I don't really know what that looks like. So they said, well, let's go down to Florida. My aunt at the time had a ministry down there. And so we went down and um, just started walking out, drying out. And all of a sudden, I kind of got a little bit taller because I wasn't, like, drunk all the time. And I was clearer in my head because I wasn't taking all these pills. And so I'm like, okay, this is what freedom feels like. It feels pretty good. And we started kind of peeling back some onion layers, and boy, there were a lot of layers because seven years of bad decisions really piled it on. And so I got just a little bit free. And so I don't know if it's on the screen behind me or not, but um, when you get just a little bit free, in the Bible it actually says, and I love the message version, it says, when a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts through the desert like an oasis 
looking for some unsuspecting soul to bedevil it. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. On return, it finds a person spotlessly clean, which is, I mean, I was pretty clean, but not spotless, but I was vacant. And that's what the Bible says. It says spotlessly clean, but vacant. Then it runs out and it rounds up its friends or seven other evil spirits, more evil than itself. They all move back in, and this is my favorite, and start whooping it up. <laughs> that person ends up far off worse than if he'd never gotten clean in the first place. And so that's what happens. So I'm like real proud, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm sober. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to go back to Nashville because I've got appearances to keep up. I've got a job. I've got a car payment because I just got a new car. And um, so I sit my friends down, and I'm like, look. I'm done drinking. I will be the designated Dave. If y'all need me, holler. But I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that thing anymore. And I was kind of like haughty about it. Well, within a week, I was drunker than I'd ever been. I was making one of the biggest mistakes in my life. And the next morning, I called my mom and I just said, look, you got to come and get me. Because if you don't, this city is going to kill me. Because really, at that point in my life, if there was a bad decision to be made, I was going to make it. So she came back and got me. Now here's what's really cool. If you're praying for someone, keep praying for them. Because you may not see a difference right now, but the Lord is working behind the scenes like crazy. And when he turns the switch in that person's heart and they're ready to start fighting for themselves too, then there is no telling what he's going to do with their life. And so in that moment, something switched in me and I was ready to get free. So I went down to Florida and I will tell you... It was wild. So for four months, we started really just peeling back those onion layers. And the day that I met Jesus for the first time, I will never forget the love that just like cascaded over me. And I just knew that he loves me because he loved me because he loved me. Not because of ABC, not because of XYZ, but just simply because he was like, you are worth it. You. And so when that happened, my life changed, and I will never, ever be the same. And so kind of leading up to that, like in the back of my head, do you all ever have those prayers where you're like, oh, dear Lord, please da 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 Well, that's what I would kind of do with, about missions. And so I'd be like, dear Lord, please don't ever make me a missionary. Thanks. And I would just kind of go about my day. Well, now that I knew Jesus, all I wanted to do was get out on the mission field. I didn't even care where it was and tell people about Jesus. So I'm sitting, I'm 25 years old. I'm sitting in my aunt's house. I have no job. I have no car. I have no friends. And I'm Googling and she's talking about community. Like, you need to find a mission trip where there's community. And I'm like, is that a cult? Like, what is that? I have no idea what community is. Because at that point, I knew nothing of the Christian lingo. And so I'm Googling, and the world race pops up. And I'm reading it, and it says um, 11 countries, 11 months, backpacking, sleeping on the floor, sleeping on tents. And I'm like, I could do that. My family was like, you don't camp. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Jesus is calling me, and I'm going. And so I... I haul off to training camp. I get my world wrecked. The Holy Spirit just fell on that place, and it changes from the inside out. And and I sat down with the guy that started the race, who actually ended up being my coach for the whole year. And I said, Seth, just so you know, I have been saved. I have been delivered. I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about the rest of these people, though. So if you need me, I'm your girl. And he was like, <laughs> 
okay. I mean, he could have been really not nice, but he just so graciously said, okay, thank you. And then month one started. And month one, I was flat on my face, crying out to God. Like, y'all, I thought I had arrived. But let me just tell you, when you start your Christian journey, that is just the beginning. Because you are going to be molded and transformed and renewed daily. And so, month one, I'm a wreck. Month two, I'm even more of a wreck. Month three, it's just getting worse. Month four, I'm in the Philippines. And we were there for Christmas. And let me just tell you, the Filipino people are probably my favorite favorite culture in the entire world and they're so loving and they're so passionate about Jesus and so every morning at 4 a.m. we would wake up and sing songs and pray and so we had had like what was it like 36 hour travel day we we got to the Philippines it was hotter than you know where and I mean I could hardly breathe I was just like oh but we had a layover in LA so my mom had sent me all these goodies she sent me Christmas cards she sent me protein bars and vitamins and all this stuff. Well, I had not had a protein bar in three months, so I ate three of them, okay? <laughs> three of them, and I was dehydrated, and I was gel lagged. So, I ate them, put it in my pocket, go to bed. We were staying in Tondo, which is one of the most poorest and most densely populated areas in the entire world. And, and our next-door neighbors uh, were was a brothel, and we were in a little church, and so there were like eight of us all sleeping on the floor, I mean like this, and so we're all sleeping like this, trying to sleep, and let me just tell you, Filipinos love the party, and so they were playing karaoke all night long, so we couldn't see anything because it was pitch black, but we heard the music, and so I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, I hear my teammate go, whoa, 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 and before I could get my wits about me, I started feeling something coming up my leg, and I'm telling you, it's big. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I jump up and I start screaming and then it's in my pocket and I can't get it out and it's pitch black and I'm screaming. My, my team leader thinks I'm being murdered in the back. So he's jumping up and he's this huge guy and he's like, what is it? And I'm like, oh no. And so they open the lights and it is a rat that was like this big. And so we finally got it out of my pocket. He didn't get the protein because I'd eaten it. He could just smell the chocolate and the, the wrapper that I had in there. And so what happens when you have three protein bars, you don't have water, and then you have a trauma like a rat, well, your colon goes to sleep. Yeah. So my colon did not work for 10 days. And I mean to tell you before this, I never talked about my colon. But by the end of it, everyone and their mother knew about my colon. And so, like I said, it was real hot, okay? So we would go to the, uh, what was it called? The, the Mall of Asia. Saw The Hobbit I don't know how many times because we would go just to take naps in the theater and get some AC. So we were on the jeepney, and we were bouncing around Manila, and I'm like, oh, I think I need to go to the bathroom. So we get to the Mall of Asia, and I'm like, guys, I'm going to the bathroom. They're like, God bless you. So I'm like, running, and, I, and I get in there, and they don't have toilet seats, okay? So I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? I have my Christmas cards. So I rip open my Christmas cards, and I wind the seat, and I sit down, and nothing happened. I was like, are you kidding me? And so I go back out, and my team's like, anything. I'm like, nothing. <laughs> so thankfully, thankfully, about three days later, the colons woke back up. But my point is, is that the entire year was just this refinement of the Lord saying, I'm not finished with you yet. Yes, I have you, 
Yes, you're mine, but I'm going to keep walking with you, and I'm going to keep teaching you and keep molding you into more and more of my image. And so we got the really cool opportunity when we were in um, Manila to, to lead a worship night. And so I'm going to share something on the screen back here um, called the Everything Skid. And we performed it in the slum, and it just gets my heart every single time. So I hope it blesses you guys, too.
the demons, it just gets me every single time. Because that's what he did for each one of us. So let's look at uh, let's look at Isaiah 53 real quick, guys. Um, it's one of my favorite verses, or not my favorite verses, but one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but I did put it in your notes. And I hope that y'all will go and read it this week in your quiet times. And just let the Lord speak to you um, as he as he always is so faithful to do. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of a setup, Isaiah is describing what is happening to Jesus, okay, or what's going to happen. He's prophesying. So he's talking about getting betrayed. He's talking about getting tortured. He's talking about getting nailed to a cross, okay? Then he says, out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it, and he'll be glad that he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burdens of their sins. Therefore, I will reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest of honors, because he looked death in the face and he didn't flinch. He didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sins of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. And that last sentence gets me every single time because he took up the cause of black sheep. So that means that he took up all of our causes because we're all black sheep, okay? And he said, you're worth it. You're worth it. And you're worth it. And you know what? I'm going to take all of the sin and I'm going to get nailed to a cross. And then I'm going to say it's finished because once it's finished, it's done. And so it doesn't matter what the past has looked like. It doesn't matter even what yesterday looked like. Today is a new day and his mercies are new every single morning. And so great is his faithfulness and praise the Lord that our past does not define our future. And so today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we get to say, I am made new in Christ. Therefore, I'm gonna throw off what is entangled me, the sin that has kept me in bondage, the, the physical ailments, the financial crisis, whatever it is, and I'm going to run this race with perseverance. I'm going to run it because Jesus died on the cross for me. And so, what does that look like? Like, how do you, how do you run this race? Let me tell you, don't do it alone. Because when you do it alone, all of a sudden those thought monsters just start, just, yeah, you know what I mean? They just go in like that, kind of like with the girl, where they're just going in and going in and going in. When you do life with, with other believers, they're able to pour truth into your situation. They're able to speak the word of God into a problem and say, hey, let's not look at what's going on around us. Let's not look at this situation. Let's look up and announce who we are in Christ. And you know, that's really hard when you're going through a battle. And I have been in a really hard battle this past month physically. I have I have wondered and I have questioned and I have said, God, why me? But you know what? When we stop looking at our situation through physical eyes and start looking at it with an eternal perspective, it changes everything. And so, church, it is time for us to rise up. It is time for us to start getting, stop getting knocked down by the ways of the world. And it's time for us to say, I'm different because Jesus Christ lives in me. And so... My first point that I would love to just encourage you guys to do each and every single day, and maybe if you don't have time, wake up earlier, because it is so worth it to spend time in the Word. It is so worth it to pray, and maybe you don't know what to say, just start having a conversation with Him. When I first started, it was like, hey, and then it got a little bit deeper, and then it got a little bit deeper, and now He's my best friend. 
And so maybe you need to read your Bible. Where do I start? Well, maybe just start with the very, with the very first verse. Or maybe, maybe start with the chapter. Maybe do the Bible in a year. I don't know. Do what works for you. But just get in it because it will feed your soul. And as it feeds your soul, it will begin to renew and transform you from the inside out. And the second point, so get in the Word and pray. Oh, this is one of my favorite things that I can't forget to tell you. So the Lord gives us all this armor that we get to wear every single day. And I put it on my daughter at night because I'm not a morning person. And so... <laughs> The only offensive weapon that we are given is the Word of God. Everything else is defensive, but the offensive weapon is the Word of God, and that is because it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it has the power to change lives that are broken messes into something glorious and beautiful. And not only that, it gives you the power to help set captives free, because when you're free, you're able to free others. And so... Get in the Word and start praying, and then get in community. And maybe you already have a community, and that is awesome, and you just keep on keeping on, and you keep pushing those people to Jesus. But if you don't, then we have so many small groups, and these small groups are amazing. This past month, if I didn't have my sisters praying with me and standing with me on the truth, let me tell you, it would have been lonely, and it would have been hard, and I might have just kicked the bucket. Not, not like that, but <laughs> I would have just been really discouraged, but knowing that I had a community of believers that were praying with me and fighting for me and fighting with me, it made all of the difference. So the word community, and then the last one is just to serve. And when you are serving, something happens in your heart because you're no longer looking on the inside. Now, introspection is good. Processing is good. But sometimes it is time to just stand up and just start walking forward. Because, you know, those four months that I spent in Florida, I needed that time to, to peel off all the yuck and to heal from a lot of stuff. But then at a certain point, it was time to stand up and it was time to start walking forward. And so maybe wounds aren't healed, but they will continue to heal as you continue to serve. And so get plugged in and serve. We have an amazing opportunity to serve with the church next week. And, and I encourage you, if you have not signed up for something, then go ahead and do it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You have the joy of the Lord who is your strength, and he will provide and sustain you through every single thing. And so um, I would love to just end real quick with Isaiah 61. Now, this is actually my very favorite chapter um, because, because to me what it means is that the past is in the past. And when I made that decision to follow Jesus, I got this promise. I got this um, commission, and I got this anointing that I got to go out and tell others about Jesus. And you guys, when that gets into our hearts, when that seeps into our spirits, we can't help but tell every single person that we know. And so if y'all don't mind just to stand with me and just receive what the Lord has to say with you from Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, and he is on you, because the Lord has anointed us to proclaim the good news, not the okay news, not the lukewarm Christian news, but the good news that Jesus raised from the dead and wiped everything out so that we could be free, okay? So, and he has also sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to get in somebody's mess and say, hey, it's going to be okay. I love you, and I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to walk through this with you. 
And he has come to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And this is my favorite. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Last July, I was in the Philippines and we were working with anti-trafficked victims trafficked victims, girls that have been sold into slavery and had no way out. And let me just tell you, when you see someone that has literally been trapped in slavery and it clicks for them that that doesn't have to be their life anymore and that they can be set free and that their ashes and their chains are no longer going to hold them back and that they can wear their crowns of beauty, you're never the same. You're never the same. And so, guys, that is, that is for each one of us. We are sons and we are daughters of the Most High God. Therefore, we get to put on our crowns every day. You can sleep in it if you want to. <laughs> and instead, and this is something that a lot of believers, that they really, um, the enemy lies to us saying that we have to hold on to shame. But God says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And we're going to jump down to 10, and it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, and as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up from all the nations. And so to close today, ask Jesus, what is it that is keeping me from living the call that you have placed on my life? Is there something in my heart that I just need to lay at the foot of the cross? Maybe you've already dealt with that and you're like, I'm good. But maybe the Lord's calling you to something else. Maybe he's saying, take this next step with me can't see really but can you trust me because I'm faithful to provide a little lamp at your feet and you just need to take it one step at a time and so as we as we worship with the band and as we we enter into this time of prayer just ask the Lord to search your heart because he is so faithful to show us what we need to to release and then what we need to go do because we are about the king's business aren't we and so maybe, maybe all of this is new. And you're like, uh, what? And so maybe you need to join the race today. Maybe you need to link arms with us. And it's time to say, Jesus, I give it all to you. I want to follow you with all of my heart. And so I just want, um, if, if that's you, and with every head bowed and with every eye closed, let's just pray that. Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you do exceedingly and abundantly more that we can ever ask, that we can ever imagine. And so, Father God, in Jesus' name, we lay before you the sins of our heart, of our past, and in our future, Lord, because we're not going to be perfect till heaven. And so, Lord, we just lay this before you, and we invite you to come into our hearts to live forever and ever. Lord, teach us. Teach us and grow us and bless our hearts as we pursue you with, um, with, the, with the love of Christ. Lord, help us to walk in accordance to your word in Jesus name amen and so um, as the band plays and y'all this is
like such an awesome song to end with. Um, we're going to have serve team members come down here, and they're going to be here to pray. But if you just want to come and just lay your burden at the foot of the cross, then just pretend this is the cross. Pretend this is the altar, and just say, Jesus, here it is. Many times you will see me down here as a weeping mess. Because that's the beauty of the church, is that we just get to come and not be put together. We get to be messes. And we just get to say, Lord, put us back together. Make us whole. Because right now I don't feel it. And, and he is so faithful, and he will. And so um, just know that this is an open space up here for you to just pour your heart out to Jesus. Thank you.